0: Welcome to the first episode of the Make It Podcast. What's happening? Yeah, you're stuck with your hosts, Kent and Matt. You got it. And uh, really, you know, we wanted to start this podcast just to hear our own voices. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, you know, to share our passions, right? And really this focus around um, how organizations are uh, succeeding. We're honestly curious. And so uh, three categories, make it rain. What does that mean to
1: you? We got our sales strategy. We got our marketing strategy. We got your pipeline management. We'll even help you deal with like your cold calling process. Like what the? Yeah. And we're
0: (laughs) going to unpack that. We're going to be bringing Real stories, tangible, actionable steps. It's not kind of Exactly. That's one of the things that irritates me about other podcasts, right? You know, or even newsletters. They say you should be doing these things or or they talk about it conceptually. But how are you actually putting that into practice? How does that apply right, to me? Right, right. That's what we want to talk about. And so the second competency, make it flow.
1: Make it flow.
0: Make it flow is really looking at those internal business processes to include sales, operations, fulfillment, customer management, product
1: program management, you got it. Project management. Let's get down to that tactical level and understand like how you guys are executing, like what are you guys doing with like your product management, you know, how are you guys defining your product strategy? Like how does that equate to product marketing? Let's dig into that. The lifeblood of an organization. Exactly. And a lot of organizations aren't certain how to handle it. And a lot of organizations will toss folks into that role and not give them, not give them a paddle to, you know, to uh, row with, whatever you want to use.
0: <laughs> and we're going to talk to business leaders, operation managers, VPs of operation who who are on the ground executing on this stuff every day. And again, tangible, actionable things you can take back and execute on.
1: Yeah, yeah, we wanna we wanna ask them questions. We gotta understand. Hey, you know, like with these large initiatives that you guys uh, put in place, like like where does that come from? How do you guys align that with your operating model? Like, how do you guys align that with your investment portfolio? What does that mean to you guys? How do you identify these problems, and how do you quantify that? Um, so we wanna really like dig in and make it real, um, because oftentimes like. I mean, both of us have sat in with a lot of different types of consultants in various industries, and um, I mean, for myself, like, uh, you know, I want to make sure that we're adding some value here, and so that's where we want to make a difference with it, um, and with what we're discussing, and with what we're sharing.
0: And our third focus area is make it grow.
1: Make it grow.
0: (laughs) And and really, this is about... Uh, making your organization grow, not only uh, from a revenue standpoint, but also looking, you know, going back to flow. How do we get those operational efficiencies in place so we can raise your margin? And also, um, how do you execute on those organizational strategies from an operations standpoint to ensure you can fulfill on that growth?
1: Um, and, and even on the, even, even getting back, backing up a little bit into, um, how we're even getting to that strategic level, guys, let's let, how do we figure out what we want to do? I mean, how do we toss around these actual ideas versus having that whole, uh, what is it like the ready, ready fire aim approach, right? Like how do we build out these ideas and these concepts? How do we frame them? How do we take like the abstract and make it clear? Um, That's what we want to do. You know, we want to be able to frame up these ideas, give a little flavor of some design thinking in there so that we're bringing together different people within the organization. We're facilitating. We're getting different ideas up there. We're breaking them out and we're giving you a way in which you can create some uh, proof of concepts and uh, and prototype those quickly. Right. So it makes no sense if you implement this crazy idea that someone thought was going to be appealing to that whole low-hanging fruit theory, right? And, uh, and make instant money within like six months. So, um, let's figure out what's going to work and let's, uh, build a strategy and a tactical roadmap around that.
0: And we only thought it was fair, uh, since we're going to be interviewing, uh, business leaders and, and asking them what makes them tick, how they've executed it to start with, Interview ourselves. ourselves, right? Yikes. And Scary. And you went first, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so short straw.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Always drawing <on> the short <laughs> straw. And uh so uh today uh we have our interview with you and we kind of talk through um you know from where you started out, you know, where you ended up, you know, the steps that uh got you there. And I think we get into some personal
1: uh, stuff really what shaped you yeah guys uh uh feel free not to listen to this one but uh come back for our next one <laughs> <laughs> so uh feel free to tune this one out you know uh, and uh, just come back <laughs> yeah well
0: without further ado here is our interview with matt Bernard uh...
1: So, uh, where'd you grow up? Actually, a small town in eastern Iowa, Kent. Eastern
0: Iowa. So I'm not from the Midwest, so eastern Iowa just sounds like the middle of nowhere.
1: Uh, Well, it's pretty much like uh, four hours east of Omaha here. So, (laughs) uh, brothers, sisters? Yeah, you betcha, man. Um, There's uh, six kids in our family, actually. uh, Four sisters, one brother, and I'm the youngest. The youngest of six. What was that like growing up? Oh, man. Well, when I wasn't uh, getting beat up by my brother, I was getting beat up by my sisters. <laughs> so that's never something uh something easy to ever get used to. So. so what was kind of the age difference
0: between you and your closest sibling?
1: Uh, two years. Two? All of us kids are actually two years apart. So
0: you had a pretty full house.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty wild, especially even as we got older, my brother kept coming back. <laughs>
0: so... <laughs> and uh <laughs> your mom and dad they work,
1: yeah, yeah uh, my mom actually uh didn't didn't work for a long time up until um late eighties when uh, my dad actually had had lost his job um I guess it was pretty pretty big downturn there in the economy and stuff, so he was out of work for a little bit um, and that was the first time my mom went back to work um after you know raising all of us like younger kids and stuff and so um so yeah, so then from there on she she worked
0: what kind of uh Work uh, did she do?
1: Um, she was more into. Um, she worked more like in doctors' offices and uh, you know assistant type stuff. Sure. So, and your dad? Uh, my dad. Um, he had like a variety. Like when I was growing up, I remember him going and building like steel buildings, and then managing grocery stores and stuff. And then um, as we got older and stuff, yeah, he managed the grocery store. So like real blue collar, manly totally. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And
0: uh, is uh, he still working now?
1: No, uh, he actually was fortunate to to retire at 62, and um, I think he still goes through the same routine, though, day by day, where (laughs) um, I remember he'd get up uh, super early in the morning, like 6 a.m. or something like that, 5.30 or 6, and he'd always be sitting there in in, uh, his recliner in the living room, because every dad's got his own recliner, right? And, uh, he'd sit there and sip his coffee, like in the complete silence and dark. (laughs) Yeah. So you were, you were, uh,
0: just square middle class there then in, uh, Iowa, huh?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, we were, we definitely didn't have the, um, most luxurious like vehicles or anything like that. Uh, We always had good Christmases. My parents were really good about that and they were really good with managing their money. Um, but I mean, we were in a. Like three bedroom home, uh, one bathroom. You can imagine that, yeah. Three bedrooms. Yeah.
0: How many were stacked in your room? (laughs) Well,
1: it was kind of always interesting because we ended up building like a room in the basement. I don't know if it was like legal. There was no egress window, so So, no. (laughs) So I don't know if we can get in trouble for that. Uh Sorry, Dad. (laughs) 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 There's no one living down there now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so, uh, how long? uh, How long did you live there? When did you move away?
1: Um, Well, I actually moved away uh, when I was, uh, what was it, 22, um, because I stayed after high school and went to a local college and then um, took about a year off and then ended up going uh, over to Iowa, University of Iowa, Um, and uh, that was kind of interesting because I had a good... Good thing going there and, uh, ended up giving it up, uh, for a girl that went to a different university back closer to home. Mm. And, uh, so that's a story I probably won't share at this time. No, <laughs> that's probably
0: safe. Uh, what did you start out studying in, uh, college?
1: Yeah. Um, well actually when I had transferred to Iowa, I had an <clears throat> academic scholarship for exercise science, uh, pre-med. I was really always big into fitness and martial arts growing up and stuff and, um, And just loved uh, working out and staying fit and kind of always wanted to go into sports medicine. And so uh, I was pretty fortunate that after I, once I transferred to Iowa, uh, I was able to kind of get in that program and um, it was, it was tough, but that's what I always wanted to do. But then when I transferred completely changed the, the direction where I was going with school.
0: So how early did you get into the martial arts stuff?
1: Uh, I was 15 years old actually.
0: 15. What do you think the driver was for you jumping into martial arts?
1: Um, well, I always grew up watching like Bruce Lee and and Jean Claude Van Damme, right? Like that's how I learned how to do the splits. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that was kind of the big driver too. You know, was to get into like you know karate was the thing back then. Um, and uh, so that's what I started out in.
0: Man, it's so. F- Fifteen, uh, getting a little personal here, but fifteen would have been around the time your mom was having some struggles, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, man.
0: Um, and so you think that had any driver into kind of pursuing something that was kind of high discipline or distracted you?
1: Um, I think I think some of it, maybe. Um, because like when she actually first uh got uh, sick with uh breast cancer, I was uh, I think eleven or twelve. And I know it's seventh grade, mm. so whatever the age there. Um, and then it went away and then came back worse and so about that time um, was when yeah i was I was looking for things out of the house and my dad never wanted me to get into that type of stuff and so um, for a little while there my mom was taking me mm. and um she would take me to to class and stuff like that and my dad didn't know about it for a while so yeah what was that like when uh, your mom got sick uh it was it was pretty tough man because well, especially like when you're in junior high, I mean you don't know what to think of that type of stuff, and uh at first you didn't I didn't think it was too serious, you know, just because it it did end up going away or went into remission or whatever they call that uh but then it came back a lot worse later on, uh which is pretty common but um but yeah it was it wasn't anything like um too easy to deal with, I suppose at that age, especially no.
0: <laughs> Oh, it's such a terrible thing. I mean, and so, you know, that, that hits you in high school. I mean, does you think that changes the trajectory of your life? I mean, I can't imagine being 15 years old. You know, I remember where I was at mentally. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would have been able to cope with that.
1: Yeah. It, it actually did affect a lot of stuff, man. Cause up until that point, like I was actually really good in school and uh, always got really good grades and stuff like that. And even up till, um my sophomore year. Um, you know, when my mom got really sick, I was I was doing pretty well. Um, but then after that, like, um, I didn't really try that much after she had passed. Um and so that kinda changed like my whole outlook where it wasn't very difficult for me to get decent grades. Um and so oftentimes like I just goofed around in class and I never studied or anything like that and still ended up getting like some B's and C's and I was like, okay, well that's fine. Yeah. Came easy for you.
0: And so, um, where we leave off college, yeah. you you started college, you were pursuing, yeah, um, a, a degree in, in really around fitness and you've ended up working
1: in business. What happened between <laughs> now and then? <laughs> yeah. You're telling me, man. Uh, actually, yeah. Like I ended up, um, like I said, I was transferred to, a uh, a university closer to home, try and make that ordeal work with the girl I'd been dating at that time. Uh, didn't work out, which was cool. Uh, um, yeah. So no, like ended up, um, you know, starting back in, in business. And I think I had found at the time when I picked the degree before I transferred, uh, I've picked uh, marketing with an emphasis in management because I had read somewhere. I can't remember where it was at, but read that uh, 63% of CEOs had like a business degree in marketing and management or something like that. So something along those lines, I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, then I want to be number one. So so that's what kind of, uh, that's how I picked where I was, what I was transferring to. And then uh, just, yeah, along that way, after I graduated, I uh, ended up um, getting a job here in Omaha, like right after college and uh Trans- or, uh, moved here two days after and started the job right after i graduated and it was a lead outside sales role what was that like so first job coming out you know i'm going into sales
0: that that's kind of yeah. the mentality there yeah um you know fresh out of school i don't imagine you had much outside sales experience i mean <laughs> yeah what do you do i mean um, what do you do first steps how well, do you hit the ground running
1: Well, I I guess I kind of blame it back on one of my past professors, you know, like he was he was pretty awesome guy and uh, very, uh, very successful, you know, upper, upper executive at John Deere's for a number of years. But it was that last semester in college that he told me after a presentation that I should I should go into sales. And I and I was like, no, I hate sales. Like I had done some sales competition with a buddy of mine for um, the American Marketing Association that we were in in college. And I was like, "Ah, I that's not for me. Um, but then, yeah, right out of, right out of college, I go into sales and it was funny because it was for a large industrial construction supply company. And, um, and I show up and the first couple of weeks, you know, you're kind of doing that whole onboarding study and type stuff. And, and then they just gave me a truck and a bucket or not a bucket, but a box full of their, um, their product books and was like, basically go sell. And so I had no idea what I was doing. And so what I figured, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to stop into any type of business I see. I even stopped into one of the one of our top competitors because I didn't know what they did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I tried to give them one of our product books. <laughs> I, I want to sell you exactly yeah. what you're already selling. <laughs> I can sell it to you better, oh, you know, than you can get it for yourself. So, um, So that was some good learning experience, though. I mean, it definitely got me over the fear of just walking in cuz I would walk into like general contractors um trailers like on their on their job sites. Uh if I saw one, I'd just go walk up there and walk on it and um and go in and talk to them and stuff. And so it people worked. don't
0: do that anymore. I mean, do you think that there there's something valuable in that? I mean, it's, we're hiding behind our keyboards today. Yeah. Right? We don't yeah. do that anymore.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right, man, cuz I think that uh I think the whole, I don't know if you want to call that the gorilla sales, you know, or like boots on the streets, whatever you want to call it. I think that's kind of, I think people are a lot more, um, a lot more like standoffish and actually putting out that kind of effort that uh, everybody, you, you always hear both sides of it where it's, oh, well, sales is a numbers game. So just get out there and go talk to different people and it's all numbers Um, but then other people are like, oh no, there's, there's a certain method. You only talk to these people at this time, you know, and say this thing and all that. But I mean, I had some great success and it was, it was kind of almost a mix of, you know, my competitive nature, but then it was almost a piece of, um, just ignorance. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't know that 90% of these people were going to tell me no, but I was just going to keep going because I knew that was my job. Right. And, uh. And so I don't I don't know if we necessarily see that much anymore.
0: Yeah, and so uh, you go from uh, industrial type of sales to what? Where was your next move?
1: Well, I actually got promoted to the general manager, so I was running that store within six months. Actually, so that, that was pretty pretty awesome experience.
0: So you go from managing your own store to what?
1: Sure, uh, I got found by this company out of uh, Chicago, like a building services right. And this was a funny story, man, because I didn't even realize that my resume was still up there. Like, I think I had it posted on Monster or something. And so this company calls me, and I was running this store, so I was, like, busy. I mean, I was handling supply chain, ordering, like, everything, right? And, uh, and that was, like, when I got my first taste into analytics, too, where I would actually study uh, study the customer data of, like, our top customers and understand how often they were purchasing and what were they purchasing. And, uh, how quickly could I get that to the store if I didn't have it in stock already? So, um, that's a whole nother story, but, um, but yeah, this company called me and left me a voicemail. I didn't answer because I didn't know what it was. And they mentioned that they were interested in talking to me about a potential job and all this, that they were starting a starting an office in Omaha, uh, yada, yada. And, uh, I didn't call them back and then they called me again and I actually connected with them and. And they said they were coming to town to do some interviews. And, um, and so I was like, all right, you know, I'll meet with you guys. So I set up an interview. Um, then the day of comes and, um, I was like super busy with my job and I just totally blew it off. (laughs) And it was like, I think my interview was at supposed to be at like 1130 or something or 11 o'clock and, and I didn't show up and they called me and, asked if I was going to show up. And I said, said, no, I was like, I'm really busy. I'm running a store here, you know, I'm running a business. And so they ended up saying that they wanted to meet with me most. And, uh, they bumped their next interview and I met them at Biagi's and, uh, they didn't even buy me lunch though. That's kind of crappy. (laughs) You can have a water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did blow them
0: off earlier in the day though. Yeah. But
1: still, come on. And, uh, so it was interesting because we didn't really like talk too much about my experience and things like that I mean they they were pretty much telling me oh we'll pay you this we'll pay you that and I'm like all right cool you know it sounds good and so then I went back to work and then later on they wanted me to come back that afternoon and I met them in the uh, parking lot of First National um, First National Bank out off of uh, 144th or so you know and uh met him in the parking lot, and so like i I'm standing there these guys these uh these three guys are standing there in their suits, right and I'm wearing my my uh, polo and jeans pulled up in my work truck and uh and I'm standing there talking to him about this and uh long story short, they made me an offer and and i uh countered and um ended up uh taking that taking that job,
0: man so still you know on this trajectory of being in the building industry or our industrial industry right so yeah. um you, you land that job and, and then what
1: well that that company actually was a uh, building services company so what they did is they franchised um building services right and so i contracted a lot of like um commercial cleanups or um contracted uh, large construction cleanups and things of those sorts and project managed it. And so it was, it was pretty interesting, but I, I ran the whole thing. Um, and so it was, it was cool. I was managing the P and L statement, had my own office. And so I was coming and going as I, as I pleased. But again, it was some of that, that I'm calling it gorilla sales, you know, where uh, I went out and I was cold calling um, over 200 businesses a month that I literally was walking into um, a month. Um, and, uh, trying to get contacts and trying to drop off my card and trying to, trying to get meetings. And so, I mean, I was, I was just out there to kill it and, uh, and they didn't have to like micromanage me or anything like that. Um, and it was pretty, it worked. I mean, I did a pretty good job, got my market to, uh, profitability quicker than, um, the other new markets that they had started up. And uh, hired on an operations manager, and so he was kind of helping me out with some of the quality assurance aspects and operational stuff, uh, which was great. Um, and uh, so I was, I was doing pretty well. I ended up um, within like a little over a year, year and a half or so, I had brought in uh, around 72, 73 accounts. And uh, I had pretty good retention, too, because I paid attention to uh, what the customers were uh, needing and I was I was there I'd go and do uh, quality inspections and things like that um, and really retain the customer um, <clears throat> while while managing like the costs and all that type of stuff and managing vendor relationships. Um, I had developed a uh, pretty good vendor relationship with a local supplier so that person when I had uh, contractors or things like that I would direct them to him and he'd actually set them up with a line of credit and stuff and um, so it was pretty neat.
0: And so that was, it, with that, uh, guerrilla sales, you were looking at 200 organizations a month. Yeah, totally. So 2,400 organizations a year and you signed 72 contracts out of that. Yeah. Man. So, I mean, that's a lot of notes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, I had, a the funny thing was after I had left that company though, like they still closed some of the deals that I had left in the pipeline, which was, which was kind of neat, you know, cause I didn't want to leave them hanging totally, but, um, But yeah, it was, I mean, it was a lot of like going to meetings and putting together specific proposals and uh, just a lot of follow-up and just kind of like your basic really, uh, to me, it's kind of like lower level sales, right? Mm -hmm. These aren't big deals. Like some of the biggest deals I had were like, you know, four or five grand or I don't know, I had one for like 10 grand. Um, So not, not really big stuff at all. Um, But yet those customers expect, expect a lot you know, for what they're, what they're paying. So that was kind of one of those things where it's not a lot of money, but it's very visible, like what, what your efforts are and what your service is. Hmm.
0: So uh, from there, where do you go?
1: Uh, From, from there, actually, (laughs) that was kind of interesting is because with this company, I had my own, like I said, I had my own office in this um, office complex and down the hall was like a large, um, IT staffing and managed services company, uh, like a $700 million company. And for a long time, I had always talked to them and they knew what I was doing and, um, d- developed some pretty good friendships with like the manager there and some of the other folks working there. So it was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, after some, some things were a little unethical with, uh, that building services company that I was with, um, I, uh, knew it wasn't a company I wanted to stay with. And, uh, cause I had gotten, gotten a promotion to like a junior partner, uh, that put me on a profit split. And when that came about, it was pretty evident who was making the money and it wasn't me. And cause I was managing the PNL, I saw everywhere where the money was going. Um, so that made me realize too that, Hey, I need to get out of here and these folks aren't, don't care about me. They're not treating my contractors right. Um, and so I actually just walked down the hall and, uh, talked to the manager and said, Hey, I was curious if you guys have an opening. And, uh, and they actually did, and so just from there, I interviewed with her and uh, the regional vice president and um, ended up getting me an offer, and and I made, made a switch pretty quick.
0: So you're on this industrial sales path, construction path, and you make a switch to IT yeah.
1: staffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What? I mean, yeah. how do you even know how to do that transition? Yeah, it I was a... You know, you're walking into a manager. I need a Java developer. And I mean, do you know what any of it means? Are you just shaking your (laughs) head and smiling? I mean, how do you make that transition? I
1: I remembered a little bit of it because back in high school, I was actually all about computers. That was the ironic thing of it, right? It all came full circle at this point um, because in high school, like I had done like C, some HTML, all this different stuff, advanced computer applications. And, um, so I, I did a lot of that, that type of stuff, um, even edited like a lot of the daily announcement videos and stuff. Um, and, but then my senior year, I was just like, ah, I'm sick of this and, uh, didn't stick with it. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, so I was, I wasn't too familiar with a lot of that anymore cause that's a number of years ago, but, um, I guess it just goes back to like figuring out like, um a little bit of ignorance that you have. Like when you're making those phone calls, you're just making the call and talking to them. And, uh, then it was prop. I, I prepared for every, every meeting that I would go on. I would spend a lot of time prior to or the evenings beforehand. And I would do a lot of like preparation on that company. Um, we, it did help that we had some leads tools. So we had discover Oregon and, and uh, hoovers.com uh, or something. So if they're listening, maybe they can give us a free (laughs) leads subscription. Yeah, I'll give you my number. Hit us up. Thanks. And we'll plug you again. (laughs) Anyways, but so that helped because they had, they offered a lot of like industry insights on there. So I would kind of prepare myself more speaking to the business side of the organization and try to understand more around the team and uh, just kind of like what business unit they were supporting and things along those lines. I'd speak to that and ask questions. And then a lot of the managers and directors and even VPs, I mean, they would just start sharing stuff. And so anything that I didn't uh, understand. So when they started throwing out all these acronyms and this and that, um, I was pretty good around talking around certain things, but um, I would always write it down and I'd put an asterisk on it. And uh, then I'd go home and I'd put it on a spreadsheet and then I'd go to find it and, uh, I just kept doing that and I'd study it over and over and over again so that I would learn this stuff. And, um, then I constantly found like other tools too, like online to study and, and, uh, it was just a lot of like, just engrossing, like studying all the time because there's so much. Um, and so I had some, had some pretty good successes there too, right off the bat. Um, but it was just one of those things where you're just kind of pushing and pushing cause you know, you want to be successful.
0: And, and do you think, I mean, I find sometimes in sales, um, you know, ignorance could be a, a bit of a blessing. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're really out there and open to learning, um, people, uh, you know, cause you are talking to people are, right. are better receptive, more receptive to that than they are the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, you know, I think there's a balance back, there's yeah.
1: some, some sort of balance, right? Because it's. It's where you don't want to walk in like you're arrogant and you know everything um, or that you know exactly what they need to do and they've been doing it so wrong for so long or something like that. Right. Um, but it's more so having that little little bit of like um, ignorance, right? I guess we can keep using that term um, just, just to kind of show that, hey, like you actually are listening. You know, you actually do care about like here and there their opinion, here about Karen, about like their issues or their situation and what's causing it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so um, y- you go from, uh, how long did you stay in the IT staffing world?
1: Um, actually, that organization actually ended up getting bought out, which was crazy. Like I was only there like a year and a half uh, before they got bought out and they decided to close the Omaha office. So, so that was like my first experience with, an organization telling me that I have two weeks to find a new job.
0: <laughs> That's kind of scary, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was pretty interesting. Right. Um, Cause uh, by that point I had my, had my own house. And so that was like a little, it's real. Well, yeah. How are you going to make your
0: mortgage? Yeah.
1: Right on. Right. Um, yeah. So after that, like I just uh, had developed some different contacts around, around town and reached out some to some different folks and, Uh, this one guy I connected with, he had actually done, uh, sales and executive, uh, staffing and he actually lined me up with my next company. Um, and, uh, so that it all, before even the end of that two weeks, I already had signed the new offer and was ready to start the new job.
0: That's huge. Yeah. I was stoked. The next job was, uh, IT staffing as well.
1: Um, part of it. Yeah. Actually it was a, it was a small, uh, custom, custom development company. Uh, that had been around for, I think about 10, 10, 12 years at the time. And um, so they did a lot of like small uh, application development projects um, and they were really looking to expand more into their IT staffing because they always had customers that were coming to them and saying, Hey, we need a BA. Hey, we need this developer. Hey, we need this or that. Right. And so they saw an opportunity there. And so that's when, um, that was like my first, first, uh, duty so to say when I got there was to help build out the IT staffing practice for them
0: is that's the organization you and I worked at for a while then yeah that's familiar yeah do you do you recall how you and I met
1: (laughs) yeah I think I well um yeah I'd met through uh one of my uh, consultants that I placed that's right yeah yeah he said that uh you're possibly looking for looking for a gig or something like yeah, that. And, and you did buy me lunch. Yeah, I did. I remember that you owe me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, yeah. On the checks in the mail.
1: So it seems like it, it's still to this day, I'm carrying you, you know? <laughs> so, like help find you jobs. I think I helped uh-huh. get you set up at the company we both worked at. Yeah. And so it's like, wow. Uh-huh. you know,
0: And I'm still there. Something you know? about this mad guy. Yeah. Something <laughs> about this guy. And uh, so, but you've, You've kind of moved out of the sales world.
1: Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Still got a little bit of an advisory role.
0: Do you ever move out of sales in business?
1: I don't think so because it just goes to internal selling and more politicking.
0: <laughs> yeah, more <laughs> of that. More yeah. More of that. Yeah. What are What are some of the things uh, you're doing outside of work now?
1: Um, actually, yeah, outside of work, um, starting up uh, something completely different. Uh, actually started up a, a sports performance company around um, integrated performance training. so um, just kind of fancy terms for um, helping um, create uh, fitness programs to help people move better, right? So there's a lot of like different functional functional um, movements and uh, programming, uh, corrective exercise, um, wanting to help help take maybe potential athletes that, um, or people that are training for competition and help improve, like, their speed, agility, and, and power. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that's – I finally just got that uh, up and going and uh, still need to finish up, like, the website and all that stuff. So, hmm. But I'm really jacked about it.
0: Yeah. I, I'm a potential athlete.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you guys could see this kid. Uh, <laughs> I'm... I think he's got some work to do.
0: Yeah. No, I think <laughs> – you know, just the the aches and pains; those are just forever yeah. now. They're yeah. just part of you. Yeah. Eventually, you just forget them. <laughs> so, but I still got. I mean, you've got several years on me, yeah. at least
1: a decade. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I'm obviously in incredibly w- way better shape.
0: Oh, uh, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. I mean, you yeah. still have to uh, foot race. You have to have foot race with my brother still. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm on that. I'll call him out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Next time he's in town. And we need to record that.
1: You think this will get as much publicity as, like, Mayweather McGregor?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Did we do it? Are you good?
1: I'm good, man. Man, Like, we need to flip the script here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We need to hear some skeletons in your closet, dude. Yeah,
0: maybe. Maybe someday.